Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace show, where we're creating a conversation for what God's doing through Christians in the marketplace. I'm Sean Bowles, and my co-host is Bob Hassan. We interview everyday influencers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from all areas of industry, exposing you to powerful stories of what God's doing through people just like you. We're also sharing our thoughts about what God's doing in finance, business, entertainment, and politics. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm Bob Haston with my friend, Sean Bowles. Sean, who do we have on today? We have Mike Donahue. And Mike's a singer, songwriter, podcast host, and former lead singer of the Christian contemporary band, 10th Avenue North. But he's also the author of Grace in the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree, and the best-selling author of Finding God's Life for My Will. Mike has a wife, Kelly, and their four daughters, and they live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. He's also the host of Chasing Beauty podcast. And we wanted to play a quick clip, Bob, just so people can get to know him, because he's a household name in the Christian world for his song, worship songs. But many people don't know the name behind the songs. They know the songs. But here's his latest song, Yeshua, Friend of Sinners. Yeshua, you are a friend of Bob, you and I are passionate about people in the marketplace being equipped to hear God's voice. And so we put together a book. Tell us about it. It's called Wired to Hear. And 99% of us are out in the marketplace. We're not in the professional vocational ministry. And this book is for you if you want to learn how to hear God in the marketplace. And it's very practical, but it's also very in-depth and spiritual with actionable steps. Great chapters about defining your process when you're trying to hear God's voice. And I just think with the expertise of my coaching and Bob's long-term career and advice giving, you're going to feel the both of us together, something synergized that's really beautiful. And it's just for you. Get wired to hear at bullsministries.com with business leaders just like you who are sharing their process of hearing God's voice, how they are wired to hear. And it's going to so help you as Bob and I navigate these conversations. They're going to bring the book home into your everyday practice. Get your book today. Welcome back. Sean, we're here with Mike Donahue. Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you. Feel very welcomed. <laughs> we are so glad you're here. I mean, I feel like we've our audience, our listening audience is probably, and our viewer audience is probably worship to your songs, but they haven't seen your face. So this is really fun for them to be able to hear, see you, and know that you have a book and know that you have a career and a life behind the songs, which I think is really awesome. But tell us how you started in this journey of being a kind of a communicator in a lot of ways, because you're not just a songwriter, you do a lot of communication. Talk about this. I, I suppose my communication, uh, my, my propensity for communication started on MySpace. They used to have those little <laughs> blogs you could post. Yes. I probably lost some of your audience. Like, what, what's MySpace? What's MySpace? They're like, one day we'll be saying about Facebook, right? What's Facebook? It's, yeah. Well, yeah. so before I was a musician, I was an avid blogger. I, uh, wow. Before my band was popular or anyone wanted to hear anything we ever wrote, uh, I was blogging away, just telling the inner the internet my thoughts on community and god and whatever came into my brain wow so how did they respond to that how did how did it keep going like obviously something happened because you kept going and blogging so how was that feedback between you and an audience we, i mean i got to try it out on the internet and in person you know so wow. getting to play shows and i worked at a church for 
seven years uh, with high school and college and young adults. And so got plenty of opportunity to learn how to communicate with people. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Did you grow up playing music or playing an instrument? How, how did you move into a, a band and into the space mm -hmm. that... that uh, and again, singer-songwriter is different even than as a singer. Yes. A lot of great singers yeah. cover great music, but to actually write songs that so many of us, I mean, we've sang your songs at our church. So like so many of us have celebrated your music. Like, like how did that start? Yeah, you know, I this ought to be a great encouragement to anyone who feels like they're getting started too late. <laughs> uh, because I did not play music my whole life until wow. my senior year of high school. Hmm. My buddy was driving for our soccer game and he caught the edge of the road started swerving at 50 miles an hour. We flipped and I went, I just got thrown out the window. Ooh. And I don't know if you can see it here, but I got a scar <laughs> right here. I broke my face open, ripped my ear off, broke my oh. back, broke my face, flatlined five times on the oh. way to the hospital. On the third time, I was transported uh, into heaven and saw Jesus face to face. Oh my god! I'm just kidding. I didn't. That, oh. that that's why. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very. Real. I could sell a lot more books if I held to that story. Um, <laughs> I I did flatline five times. They kept bringing me back, and then I I'm laughing me. at your near death experience now. This is terrible. So, yeah. so basically, I, I, if somebody almost dies, they could become a great singer songwriter. That's what you're saying. I, if we just I, put ourselves. So, well, this is how I started playing guitar is I was always into sports. I never sat down long enough to learn wow. how to play a, a guitar, which is fair. Um, and so I broke my back, and so I had to lay on my back, and I asked for a guitar, and that's how I started chipping away. So I got to college. I could barely play. And wow. when we did a 10-year reunion in high school, all my friends went, wait, what? You're doing what? You're a musician. You were you were terrible. I remember you learning the guitar senior year. You were awful. Wow, Bob. There's hope for your piano skills. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have had some some later in life, uh, you know, new new things that happen later in life, but I don't think that's one of them. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it is either. But that's okay because I like your later in life things that are happening. Well, in the in the context, I love Bob's question. That was like how this started. Like, when did you know it was a thing? Like, when did you know, like, okay, I'm playing the guitar. I'm not just doing this for my own devotional life anymore. This needs to, I need to pursue this. Yeah, so my freshman year, we started a band just for fun. Oh, okay. I mean, met some guys who liked to play. And, and we wrote songs and recorded them, but still, it was all just fun. And then we were doing a camp. And this is really cool because I think a lot of people miss the moments um, because it, they view super certain opportunities as sort of beneath them. Like this is a meaningless opportunity. So we're at this camp with a hundred middle schoolers. I mean, not great for your career. And <laughs> I was sitting at a lunch table with these middle schoolers and I was asking them about how they know God loves them. And they were telling me all these, like when I get a parking space at the mall or mm -hmm. when this happens or when, the, or when I get a good grade on a test and, I remember I, I went back to my room and I wrote a song called Love Is Here. And I started playing that. And it was the first song I'd written and recorded lots of songs. This was the first song people wanted to hear again after I was mm -hmm. done playing it. And that was sort of the moment, uh, just trying to write a song for these kids at 
camp. And uh, it just really resonated with me. So middle schoolers are responsible for your whole career is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mike, do you, obviously God had a plan for you, but were you surprised at the aptitude that you had, the ability, the ability that you had from just learning in high school and then all of a sudden it becoming such a focal point of your career? I mean, I, I, I listen to the story and think, it was always in you and, and he pulled it out of you. Yeah. I mean, it has to be that I perpetually feel completely inadequate. You know, I remember there was a time where Phil Wickham was opening up for our band. And I remember going, I remember getting up after Phil that I'm sorry, everybody. Phil is way better than us. And (laughs) and he's doing great. Like, so I think I was right. Um, Yeah. But I, you know, sometimes we, we, we can't see the gift in ourselves because we're yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, overly impressed by other people's gift. And uh, I feel really blessed to maybe started sharing my gift before I realized I wasn't that good at it. And uh, just realize that even if I have like five loaves and two fish, it's still something to bring and people can still be blessed by it. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about you in this season of your life because you've just written a book. But I think of the ebbs and flows to a musician's life because you're not you're not 18 and 19 anymore. So the ebbs and flows of somebody who's pursuing music, especially Christian music full time, it's not in the context of like necessarily in a local church worship team. So you're actually out there in huge platforms, huge spaces, and people obviously cover your songs now. So what is that like as far as the ebbs and flows? Because we're talking to a lot of people who are listening are entrepreneurs they're going through ebbs and flows and they're looking at you going, does it get better? Is there a point where you peak? Is it, do you still have hope? Like, uh, you know, what, what, what's next, especially the creatives out there are some of them feel like their, their expiration dates coming. So how have you dealt with that in this context of your life? Cause you're, I, I'm, if you can't see him, he's not old at all. Just so if you're listening on podcasts, if you're on CV and his, you can tell he's still a very young man, but it is different in creative industries. Cause a lot of times people under 30 are the ones who are the most celebrated. Yeah. Listen, you're always, the problem with music is you always feel like you're only worth your last hit, you know? And so no matter what kind of success you have, I know so many artists who all struggle with this. People who are, you know, really well established and you would think they never struggle with this and they still are struggling with, you know, is my, is my best behind me? Is that the, the last thing that's going to matter to people? And so we constantly have to go, this has been really helpful for me. A friend of mine said, I, I referenced the five loaves and two fish. He said, I was out with a, a band called Big Daddy Weave as a solo oh, artist. And it was, super, so it was super weird because I was opening up for them as a solo artist and we were playing in venues where my band used to headline. Okay, wow. So I'm sitting there going, what have I done? Have I, have I shot myself in the foot? Am I going backwards? Is this solo music not ever going to be as significant as the music I made before? And God answered me through my own mouth. I was just talking to my buddy in Big Daddy Weave. He goes, don't you love how God uses these songs? And it's like five loaves and two fish, right? <laughs> it's like five loaves and two fish. I go, yeah, sometimes. I go, but what about all the thousands of songs that nobody ever heard and weren't on a radio and 
or failed at radio or, and I go, you know what? Sometimes God uses these little things that we offer him and he feeds 5,000 people. Sometimes our art and our pursuing, it looks like a year's worth of perfume poured out just on Jesus. And I said, but here's the thought. That story of that woman pouring perfume on Jesus' feet, that was days before he went to the cross, which means, yeah, he might feed a crowd with your five loaves and two fish, but the perfume is what he was smelling when he was being crucified. Mm. You know, And so whether God uses it greatly or it's just for him, I hope that that doesn't change my pursuit of bringing him something beautiful. I hear you talking about significance and, you know, in this society, uh, there, there's a performance mentality and, and the thing about serving Christ that's so beautiful is, is that our identity is that we're loved sons and daughters of God. That's our identity and everything past that is extra. And so the, the significance that society places on us, you know, you were talking about MySpace through through all of social media, it, it, like Sean likes to say, it's a highlight reel, people's highlight reels. But at the end of the day, I think what you're talking about is, I think what you're talking about is pouring out your offering to the Lord and then what happens, happens. And yeah, you know, I just posted a video on Instagram of me swishing 15 shots, at, like shooting basketball. It's like my skills on Instagram. And then it cuts to reality and it's 15 bricks. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> and, and my point is I'm a human, not a highlight reel. Yeah. And I asked, I had this little girl, there's a, there's this new artist named Katie Nicole and she was out with us and she's had this song, like a couple songs that have just blown up really fast. And this girl was asking Katie, Hey, how do I get more followers, Katie? How do I get more followers? And Katie kind of talks to her about it. And I go, Hey, Kate, can I answer this question? She goes, yeah. I go, Hey, let me ask you, how many followers do you have? And the girl goes, oh, I only have 324 followers. I go, congratulations, you're crushing Jesus. And she goes, what? I go, he only had 12. (laughs) (laughs) I go, the problem is you're thinking about how to get more followers instead of how to serve the ones that I have. Right. And, and that as a, as a fan, as a, as an artist where your livelihood depends on certain metrics, we have to, I think it's not wrong to pursue ways to expand what you're doing, but my heart has to be, am I serving the people who are already listening to me? Because if I'm not serving them, I'm just trying to get them to serve me. I'm missing the point and everybody misses out. Well, it seems like the people who get in a trap, they only last for a period of time when they're, they can be strong in their talent and their gift and they have some luck or some favor. And then it feels like it, when that season passes, they don't have anything to stand on. And then we watch those one hit wonders who are working in a shopping store in Hollywood, wanting to get back into it. And it just feels like that identity significance issue is the thing that Christianity brings that nothing else really brings yeah. because well, we can transition. Or because I also know people who have had awesome success and continued success, but they continue to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was watching somebody today on the, I won't say who it was, but a person I watched on TikTok who committed suicide today and it was, or last night. And it was just one of those things where I was like, the, the front is he's the happiest person with his wife and three kids all the time, dancing, singing, the whole thing. 
Um, and then you find out he commits suicide. And those those moments in time when you're like, I'm, I've just been burdened with this family all morning, just praying for them, because those moments in time where you're like, you look like one of the happiest people I've ever seen on social media. I follow you because of your joy. And there's a truth in that. There was some joy in him for real, but there was that inner struggle. And I feel like the problem with the arts world, like when we talk to a lot of our career people and we're talking to the marketplace, we're talking to venture capitalists and lawyers and doctors, when we get to the creative side, it feels like there's the struggles that are even built into your career are so different than a lot of the ones that are built into the average person who gets their PhD and becomes a, a doctor. It's so different when there's these ebbs and these flows and there's, there's the discoverableness of like God's favor and life is on us, but sometimes publicly, he doesn't always, you know, flow the same way as we want him to. What is there anything you'd say to that to someone who's emerging and needs courage? You know, so I have a, my, one of my best friends. He's uh, got a doctorate in psychology, uh, and he runs cohorts for businesses. So he takes right. a CEO and their team, and he and he teaches them how to have emotional intelligence, which is just a fancy way of saying. He gets them with their team and has them be vulnerable about, about what they feel. Right. Yeah. And shockingly, that vulnerability, it's disruptive at first because people go, oh, this is the workplace. We're not supposed to be vulnerable. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, have, you, have you seen that uh, the new Apple uh, series called Severance? Yes. Where the, uh, they, this, people, you would hate this series, Bob. They, but it's they, so good. Yeah. <laughs> people go through an operation where yeah. when they go into work, they can't remember their home life. And when they go home, they can't remember their work. And I think it's a really stark picture, but it's it's what we all think we're supposed to do. Come on my Instagram, show everyone my best side, my perfect side, my you know, and then go home. And that's where I can be honest. And I just think um, grace sticks to our imperfections. Mm -hmm. And the more, it's so funny, all the best moments I ever had at shows was always when just stuff was going bad. It's going terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I would get up and there were times that I would fight it. And I'd get up there, I'd be like, yeah, guys, let's praise God. Da, da, da. And my wife would be watching. She'd go, man, that was terrible. I go, what do you mean? She goes, you're so fake. And the times where I get up and I just go, guys, I, this happened and I'm feeling terrible. I don't even know how I'm going to sing these songs to God tonight. Um, but I'm showing up and I want a journey with this. Through, and, I, and I'm vulnerable and open. My wife would be like, that was amazing. Yeah. Wow. And, and we just think our strength is what's going to change people, but it's just almost always our weakness yeah. that God likes to show off through. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. I like that. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I also know that we learn the most from when we have issues, when we've made mistakes, when we've had things that don't work right, when we've had failures. This is where we learn. None of us want to go into the valley of the shadow of death, yeah. but you know, coming out of that is, is where we learn. And, you know, in your career, have you experienced that kind of thing where you thought, oh my gosh, I, it's, it's over. or This failure is, is the epic fail and I'm, I can't recover. Yeah. Probably the, the story that comes to mind first is my wife came to me and just said, we just had our fourth kid. And she said, you haven't been listening to me. No. What do you mean? She goes, you need to come off the road. Wow. And I went, what? 
she's like, I've been saying, I go, you haven't been saying it. She goes, I've been saying it, but not saying it. You know how these conversations. Yes. And I had to make this really hard decision to cut the, I, cause I said, do you need me to get off the road completely? She goes, no. I go, what do you need? And basically she said, I need you to be gone half as much. Wow. And I came to the band and said, Hey, I got it. We got to do half as many shows. And we go, well, how, we're going to have to let this person go and this person go. And we won't be able to have this full-time monitor guy and this and that. And I go, I know I, I I'm sorry. I have to prioritize my family um, because I can't sacrifice them on the altar of this occupation. So good. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, just terrified thinking, what am I doing? Am I throwing away what God's called me to do? I come into this song, right? And I, I had this chorus that goes, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. Somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. I ended up writing this song called control, which of course went number one, the longest we ever had a number one, the <laughs> whole history of our band. And it's just, it's just funny. God's like, I, I really want you to embrace uh, where you are. And that's how I'm going to work for you. I love that. I love the divine intention of that. Yeah. Talk to to us about your book, your new book, uh, as we're running up to time right now. You mean this book? (laughs) Yes, we do, Grace. Just happen to have it here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you said the tension. I actually have a whole chapter in here called Holding the Tension. Um, the book yeah it's called grace in the gray a more loving way to disagree and um well my friend brant i was just talking to him and we were discussing the book and i think i could sum it up the best with this dallas willard was a Mm. philosopher psychology professor uh, religion teacher at usc and he would get invited to all these debates and he would say yes i will attend if you change the language and they said what do you mean he said, let me, I wrote it down. He said, I don't participate in debates, but I would gladly participate in a mutual inquiry into the truth. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what the book's all about, is learning to uh, listen. Uh, and even when I'm presenting my position, to shift the posture with which I present it. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, I, my other podcast is social commentary and journalism. And it's for the Christian world. And it's really interesting because the temptation is even when other guests will come on, or if I'm on some of the shows, the big shows out there that are conservative, you know, Christian shows, the tension is that we still want to go to battle mode. We still want to, it's almost offensive. Like we still want to be so right that we violate someone's humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to like having love on the table still. And so I love your book because I started reading it last night. I read the first couple chapters and I was like, you are so love-based. You are so, mm-hmm. you really love humanity. You really love people. And I can tell that just from reading what I read. And I just feel like there's not many people ha- know how to have a conversation about the hard things because we weren't taught that. I mean, I think in schools, we should be taught financial management and we should be taught emotional intelligence and we should be taught valuing people and having constructive conversations. That's right. For, like I love Dallas Willard's thought there because you're taught debates, but debates is I hate you, you hate me, let's just get somewhere versus like, actually, you're important and you're a valuable person. I want to hear what you have to say. So thank you for writing the book. I think everybody needs to get a copy because you you are great. Again, I, I called you a communicator in the beginning because I feel like some of your songs, this book, like you lead conversations of our hearts. 
to the church and our hearts to each other. I think it's it's a beautiful thing. I think God's hidden you in the musician world, but you are a philosopher. I I think it's amazing. My friend Annie yesterday, I was doing her podcast and she called me a secret pastor, a secret ninja pastor. You need to get a plaque that says secret ninja pastor. I know, that's a good Instagram handle. I'm like, pretty, like, like what are we going to do about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we get a hold of you? Yes. Well, obviously I'm on the social media platforms, uh, but you can reach out to MikeDonahy.com and that's got all my, all my infos. Awesome. So good. Well, I, I know our viewers and our listeners enjoy who you are already, but they're going to really love this interview. And I want to thank you for being here with us. And up next, it's time for Final Thoughts with Sean and Bob. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm going to invite you to our Spiritual Growth Academy online, where you can attend a four-week class or an event every month. Plus, our back catalog is available to you as well on spiritual gifts, especially hearing God's voice, and also a deeper connection to the Holy Spirit and how to walk with him in real ways in the days we're living in right now. Come join us at Spiritual Growth Academy by going to bullsministries.com and clicking on the Academy button. Welcome back, Sean. That was such an interesting interview coming from a creative who wrote a book, who has, has, has managed a band. He was so, he was so interesting. Yeah, I think we have a wide variety of people on Exploring the Marketplace, and every once in a while we have somebody from the faith-based entertainment world. This is kind of faith-based entertainment slash worship world. And of course, he's a podcaster and author too, but people would know him mostly for his his uh, worship songs and his uh, songs that have been like, have won awards, you know, in the Christian world. And I think it's interesting because we don't always see this as a business side or that it's part of the marketplace and it has influence and impact, everything from you know, vendors that they do concerts at and places or venues, not vendors, venues that do concerts at, mm-hmm. vendors who provide all the gear that goes along with, you know, these kinds of events. And so you're interacting as a Christian in all these different atmospheres. And I used to host concerts. You didn't know this, Bob, but back when I was a youth, we hosted a lot of major people from the uh, music industry, Christian music industry to do evangelism concerts. So we'd have like 1,000 to 2,000 kids that we do out- outreach with and bring them in. And it was so interesting to me that so many of the people behind the scenes weren't very Christ-like. They weren't very Christian-like. But there's a couple groups, like Stephen Curtis Chapman, who's well-known, and then also Commissioned was a big group back then. There's a couple groups that they were so amazing that they just naturally were so kind that people were like, oh my gosh, I've never met anyone like you. And so you had these unsaved light guys or these guys who were like coming from like smoking cigarettes in the back and then doing the, you know, the, the PowerPoint type stuff up, up on the screen, the videos on the screen. And, and they would like interact with the, the whole team of these musicians and it would change their world because these guys have so much, even if they're not into Christian music, there's so much persona, there's so much power are, that when they're kind and their character comes through and they are authentic, it literally can bring salvation to everybody who's working on the, on the whole thing. So it's just, it's so cool that he has that, that Mike is a person of huge value and loves people. And he's got such a great personality and character. And you could tell that, you know, wherever he goes, people would love him and love his music. And I, you know, I traveled with you in 2018 and 19 to all these venues when you were doing conferences and some of the huge venues, exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there was, there was staff, uh, union yeah. staff on, on, in some of these venues that were 
working the venue, but looking at everybody that you brought in. And uh, I remember the comments um, from the staff leaders about, wow, Sean and his crew are so amazing to work with. And, and I think <laughs> that's what we have to do is bring yeah. our, our Christ-like character before us. Well, and it's, I think I, I grew up in the church, right? So second generation. So for me, I saw so many pastors and leaders who had so much ego and narcissism, things like that, just on display. And it was accepted as kind of widespread acceptance that this is just part of it. And I was like, not on my watch. If I'm going to do any of this ministry stuff, which I didn't want to do at the time, if I'm going to do ministry stuff, there has to be kindness. So somebody, you have to be approachable. You have to be, and, and it's even more so when you're doing something in a mainstream venue or somewhere where you're interacting with a lot of people who don't know who you are. They don't give a care for who mm -hmm. you are, except for in that moment that they have to serve you or work with you somehow because your jobs collide. And so I think it's really cool to have somebody on the show explore the marketplace where we're mostly talking about mainstream kind of, you know, culture and careers and, you know, people who are entrepreneurs and stuff. But there's those Christian entrepreneurs that we need to, we actually have to double down on our, our virtue with the, the, the people we deal with because they're looking for Christ in us. Are they who they say they are? And that's important not to be a performance, but to be even more authentic, you know, in those situations. Yeah, we've had conversations with with Christian pastors and people in the entertainment industry, and we've broached the business side of it. And it is interesting. And it reminds me that it's just like, you know, it's just like normal marketplace business. Mm -hmm. We didn't get a chance to talk to Mike about it. But I, I would assume he would have had some really fun stories, uh, you know, of the challenges and, and, yeah. and, and the beauty of it. Also. Well, maybe we can have another conversation with them yeah. to talk about the business of yeah. Christian music because there is a business behind it. And it's a, a both a beautiful business, but it's also been done in some bad ways throughout the history. And I think we can learn from these experiences in all these different genres. We learn when people tell their story. And I loved his story today. Yeah. And Bob, I know you and I are hoping that our listeners and our viewers, people just like you, will subscribe to our YouTube channel and also to our podcast. Leave a review if you enjoyed this podcast. Say, please go on whatever podcast service you use and leave a review. And if you're watching us on CBN News, we are so glad you're with us here. Make sure to let us know guests you'd like to hear from us. And even if there's a business uh, ministry that you're involved with, we'd love to know about them as well, just because we're getting to know a lot of business ministries out there that are doing such an incredible job. We're so proud of them. So thanks for being with us today. Bless you guys. Yep. See you next time. Thanks for exploring what God is doing in the marketplace with us. We have amazing resources for you on our website with free videos, take an online class with us at our online school, Spiritual Growth Academy, or get one of our books, including the one Bob and I authored together, Wired to Hear. We have lots of ways to connect with you. Come visit us on social media. Just look for at Sean Bowles or at Bob Hassan or visit BowlesMinistries.com. This show is made possible by listeners just like you. Become a partner or donate now to become part of our team. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it on your socials or help us review it on the podcast server you found us on. See you next time.